Hello and welcome back to the podcast. We're so happy to have everybody here. I am joined as always with Isaac Gesselson and Casey Gesselson, and I am Jake Gehring, and this is Utah Places and Traces. Happy to be here. So excited. How the heck are you guys? So good. good. It's been a minute. Yeah. We're currently um, using our phones to record this because we've had some technical difficulties. So sorry if it's not the best quality but isaac is the king and genius of all sound recording so he i is. think it'll sound pretty good apple please sponsor us <laughs> apple sponsor at who wait who's like who's the president tim of cook apple? Tim at, tim, at cook. tim cook tim cook we're using your phones to record podcasts so give so us a spot just remember this day tim very good what have you guys been up to isaac you've been traipsing around europe yeah so yeah tell us before uh or i guess after we recorded the last episode's I went to Belgium, Serbia, Macedonia. And what were you doing there? Um, I performed with BYU's uh, International Folk Ensemble. And you would know a little bit about this one, you guys. We both would. Casey's Casey's been in that group. I've been in that group. Indeed. Yeah, so we just play folk music. We back up some dancers and we play or perform at international folk festivals. Very cool. It's a good time. So we, we were going and going every day, all day for about four weeks. So I was pretty ready to come home. You're back but, safe and sound. That's right. Back to the podcasting. That's why I really came back. That's you know? Otherwise, you would have stayed. You would have left behind your former life. Exactly. No. Shame <laughs> on you. No. How could I leave? How could? Because the wonderful Casey is here. So That's Casey, right. what have you been up to? I've just been working, Jake. You, <laughs> you know how it <laughs> is. Someone's got to work. <laughs> and that was me. That's but cool. it's been, I'm glad to have Isaac back. I'm glad to have the podcast back. We're That's excited to work to try to get on a more regular schedule of producing, and I start school on Monday, as does Jake. Yeah. So we'll be more regular. This hopefully. is the last hurrah. Yeah. So last time we were together, I was finishing up my summer course with my graduate studies, and then since then, I've just been working, and um, my, my wife got her, she works at the NICU at Intermountain um, Hospital in Salt Lake. Um, up at the University of Utah. And so it's with her schedule, it's kind of, you know, it's whatever that she works when she has to work. And so it's sometimes nights, sometimes days, they're they're pretty long shifts. And it's just me and the boy, me and the baby, baby Russell. And uh, it's been really cool. Even though he's a little guy, you know, we get to bond and whatever. And and that's been super fun. So I've been doing that, playing drums, enjoying my last little bit before school starts, which yeah, same here, Monday, back to those 12 hour school and work days but the end is in we sight people okay well we are doing a new podcast today and i want to actually start with a question to prime the pump here to isaac and casey so growing up you two lovely people here in utah who were you told were the first people to come to this state mormons okay pioneers casey yep. um i had a more nuanced education thank you okay wow goodness <laughs> I I think it was father the fathers Dominguez and Escalante. Okay. My, the first Europeans to come to Utah. The Padres. The Padres. Most Padres. Los Frey. And Casey would be much more correct than Isaac. And um, I'll say that I didn't. If okay, I'll put it this way: I'm sure that somebody told me, some well-caring teacher when I was young, told me that it was these these friars. Um, but in my mind, my, you know, cultural formation was that it was the pioneers, right? Mormon pioneers coming from the East. And it wasn't even until college where I majored in Spanish that I learned that it was Spanish speakers were the first 
Europeans to enter what is now the territory or the physical area, which is now Utah, right? And uh, that is what we're going to be talking a little bit about today is um, the friars uh, Dominguez and Escalante. Um, so uh, something really quick, um, just some facts that we want to go ahead and establish. One, I want to talk about why I chose this. I'm from the Southwest. I've lived in the Four Corners area plus California, every one of those states. So this is a near and dear thing to my heart. Um, the, the whole Hispanic heritage, this is going to be the first in a suite of not necessarily consistent episodes about Hispanic heritage in Utah, but one of many, hopefully. Um, like I said, I'm Asian Spanish. I married into a Latino family. I, I love it. I can't get enough of this stuff. And uh, I just think there's something really, I don't know, romantic, enchanting, whatever have you, about the climate and the geography of this area. Do you guys ever read the book, Death Comes for the Archbishop? I've never read it. Never no. read it. It's a Willa Cather book, right? Correct. Good job, Casey. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I read that in uh, my senior year, and it's just, researching this threw me back. That's, that's probably one of my top five books. Just a no way. A, it's a, yeah, it's so good. Really? It's, it's a love letter, and it's about um, Catholic priests in the 1900s, early 1900s, so much longer after this. But they're still going from parish to parish, from mission to mission, uh, and I don't know why. I just really, really like that. And so it is. It is a magical thought. I don't know to have someone, an outsider, coming into a new place. I mean, maybe they're. Maybe their missions were noble. Maybe they were not. That's up yeah. for debate. But to have someone in a place that is so magical and beautiful and geographically unique yeah. and experiencing a new culture is really fun. No, it's I agree super with cool. You. And I agree, too, looking through the lens of history. And obviously, you got to remember, history is like foreign country. They do things differently there. <laughs> and true. so we, ha we have to be selective in what we admire or what we say. You know, that was just that's how they acted during that time. But I do think there were considerable moments of pure and unadulterated devotion um, that make uh, Ana Atanasio Dominguez and Silvestre Velez de Escalante <laughs> a couple of heroes of mine. And I'll try not to do my, that, that you know, No, Jake, we need, we need the, <laughs> we need the accent. No, so, no, pronunciation Isaac stuff is cool, though. Isaac and I are gringos, so. Yeah, Jake speaks Spanish. Casey speaks a little bit more than I do. Okay, no worries at all, no worries. So let's talk about the main players here, right? So we've got our two main folks. You guys know anything about these people, Dominguez and Escalante? Love them. Um, um, yes. I don't, I, I mean, all I know is the research that I've done on them, uh, recently. And I, I have, uh, learned a little bit about them, like in elementary school. Mm -hmm. Um, but they were just a bunch of, or not a bunch of, but two Catholic guys, right? <laughs> just a bunch of, with bunch a bunch of, of friends, yeah. with an entourage. Yeah, they did. That they had a party with came them. through Utah. They didn't, they didn't quite make it where they wanted to go. Right. Mm -hmm. And they turned back yeah. Utah back to New Mexico. Yeah. Valid reasons. Right. So they, their goal was to go from the missions in Santa Fe, New Mexico, to the the west coast to Monterey, mm -hmm. right? Because that was the big uh, mid central California coast area. Um, and for those listening and interested, if you have a chance, even just the Wikipedia page for Monterey, if you want to see some gorgeous, oh, um, Monterey is the coolest place ever. Oh, it's so cool! The architecture, the the Spanish American architecture at the time is just that's my jam. I really like that stuff. Um, Monterey Bay Aquarium, also yeah, very cool. This is cool. not a California podcast, but I can vouch for but Monterey. we are, we're fans. Go right? to California. But it was established on the seacoast because Mexico was a Spanish colony at the time. Correct. Spaniards had spread throughout um, the lower, lower North America, and they were seafarers, and so they went to the Philippines, and they went to the western coast of the Pacific, and they went everywhere. And so they'd established this outpost in Monterey, but they needed a land 
route. A trail, basically, from, yeah. Yes, which yeah. it became the Spanish trail, this trail that they started. That's right. From Santa Fe to Monterrey. Monterrey. Very good. And, um, yeah, so Casey said something important, which is that this was Spanish territory, which means that these uh, fellows, and there's another guy that we'll introduce here in just a sec, were the first Europeans to make it over here. Even though, for example, um, Father uh, Dominguez was born in Mexico City because it was Spanish territory, though not continental Europe, he was European, right? Yes, so he, yes, one of the right. Now, um, there, there's a gentleman here, Juan Rivera. He was an explorer who actually came before um, Dominguez and Escalante. His mission was not um, religious in nature. He was there to explore and fend off other European powers and try and grab some silver, mm -hmm. right? Trying to get a little bit silver of... Silver tin of Colorado. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but what makes Dominguez and Escalante a little bit different and probably more historically notable is that they kept a really good journal, right? They had cartographers. They had the whole yes. party. Casey's got in her hand a book, the journal, actually, a published version. Yes, it's. I, that's why they're so famous today, Correct. I think. Yeah. Because Rivera was important and mm -hmm. he did go into Colorado. He was maybe probably the first Spaniard, Hispanic person right. to see the beautiful Rocky Mountains. But Dominguez and Escalante, well, Escalante, his name was actually Velez. Velez Correct, yeah. But we just say Escalante because we're gringos. But yeah, we just choose the last of I, the last I don't names. know why we did that. That's the tradition. But Escalante was the record keeper and he kept a great journal. And so I have the translation by Fray Angelico Chavez, who is a f of himself a friar mm -hmm. in New Mexico. He did a great translation of the journal. You should get your hands on it if you're interested. Absolutely. Goes to show you that there's the saying, right, that history is made by those who show up. Not only that, <laughs> history is made by those who show up and say they did it, right? So, I don't know. Anybody who wants to make their mark out there, make sure you record it somewhere. It's true. Yeah. It's true. I And I heard... Which I don't, I'm not sure which one, but was it Dominguez that he was brought along because he was such a good writer? It was Escalante. That was Escalante. Escalante yeah. Dominguez right. was yeah. the leader. Escalante was the chronicler. Yeah. yeah. And so a few details about these folks. Um, Dominguez, right? This is Fry Francisco Atanasio Dominguez, born in Mexico City. Music to my ears, Jake. Yeah, no, oh. love it, love it, love it, love it. <laughs> and, um, you know, he's a friar. We'll talk about friars in just a sec, too, but I just wanted to go over um, a few other things. And so he was brought to Santa Fe to do some reviews of how uh, the missions were being, um, I don't know, run, for lack of a better word. And then when word got out that the church wanted to establish a route from the Santa Fe missions to the Monterey missions, the other California missions too, right? Monterey is just the one that we talk about the most. Uh, he was chosen to lead the party. And then Silvestre Velez de Escalante, right? Um, going back to what Casey said, this is just a cool Spanish, Spanish cultural thing. Usually both names are taken from mother and father. Um, I want to say mother's first, last name is first. I think that's right. So, for example, my spouse is, her maiden name was Camila Rosaura Mora Artica. Her mother's last name is Mora. Dad's last name is Artica. Uh, it really confuses Germanic, English-speaking <laughs> native people because we're like, I don't know what to call you, right? Gringos. Yeah, and, and it makes family history kind of a confusing thing if you don't really know the norm. But anyways, um, Fray uh, Velez de Escalante, he was born in Spain. So he was born in Cantabria. And he had come here to what is, you know, the Western Hemisphere, was summoned by Dominguez for the reasons we talked about, uh, because he's such a great chronicler. And together they formed a little party. Um, 
I, I didn't write down all the names. I can access them, but oh, I just know I have that them in my book. I know there's at least seven. There was ten total. Okay, ten of total. Hispanic explorers. Read them off, Casey. So there was Don Juan Pedro Cisneros, who was the alcalde of Zuni Pueblo, which Al- is alcalde's like mayor. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don Bernardo Miera y Pacheco, who was the cartographer. Yep. He was also a source of trouble, as we will find out. Yeah. Don Joaquin Lain, who was a citizen of Santa Fe. Andres Muñiz, who was the interpreter and guide. So he spoke the Utah languages um, and was able to communicate with Native people that they met along the way. Yeah, he was a key figure to making sure they got where they needed to go. And then Andres brought his brother Lucrecio, um, who was might have also been in the area before. We don't really know much about Lucrecio. Um, and then there were some other minor characters. Um, Lorenzo Olivares, who's from El Paso. Juan de Aguilar from Santa Clara and Simon Lucero, who was a servant of the Alcalde. There you go. So those were the 10 people that were with them throughout the journey. Yeah, those were, they, they started off. And then there's a couple other that join along the way. And we're going to talk about them here as we talk about the journey. So summary of the trip, right? They end up going through what are now the four states, the four corner states. They start in Santa Fe. They go to Colorado, then to Utah. And it's actually in Utah that the conditions of the journey get such that they say, I don't think we can make it all the way to California. Let's go ahead and head back. And you can't blame them, right? Um, especially when you consider their legacy, that a lot of what they did traverse and record became the basis for the Spanish Trail. Uh, and it was in Arizona. Well, from Arizona, they came back to Utah or, or to um, Santa Fe, exactly, right? And there's, there's three other people worth mentioning here, a couple of um, Native Americans who were obviously living there at the time, right? These were, um, I want to say it was pronounced Timpanagotzi. Yes. Timpanagotzi? Yeah. There's an I at the end. Yeah, I think that's how, that's the Spanish pronunciation. Okay. I've seen Timpanago as well, but they were used, they were actually from the Provo area. Okay. And yeah. they had just traveled to Western, to Western Colorado, which is where they kind of met up with the group the party and said yeah we'll, we'll help you out right is his name related at all to mount tipanogos i believe so it would be a one in a trillion coincidence if it's not <laughs> from the, the provo area provo named tipanogos yeah yes they were they're an interesting tribe actually we'll talk about them yeah so the the, the three natives i want to bring up here native americans there was silvestre right he was in colorado mm-hmm. and from the um, utah county area but again that's a modern designation right Joaquin, who joined um, with Silvestre, and then uh, Jose Maria, who was a, a young guy, right? So, and these names were not like their born <laughs> names, by the way. It should be pretty obvious. These are names, but they were christened by the Spanish-speaking friars. The friars. And they named them after each other. Yeah. So, so I thought that was kind of funny. Very, very <laughs> confident bunch of Prince of Friars here. Oh, and really quick, I mentioned to you guys, I wanted to talk about this earlier, but the, the friar haircut. Oh, oh yes. What are, we, what are we talking about, Isaac, when I say that? Bring it back in style. So what? describe so what it looks we're like. We're talking about bald on top, right? Leave yeah. The hair, leave the hair everywhere else besides the crown, essentially. That's it, man. And if you're, you know, like me, who's played... Yeah, uh, this is a... You know what? It's not embarrassing. I'll own it. I've played those fantasy games where there's the friar, right? And that's, you know, whatever, Dungeons and Dragons, you see that. Sure. So there's a name for this phenomenon, and it's actually not something um, exclusive to Catholic monks, but it's called tonsure. That's the name of where you, you shave part tonsure. or all of your head. T-O-N-S-U-R-E. Never heard it. So the Roman tonsure is what we're talking about here, right, in Catholicism, where you have the friar with the bull haircut. I didn't think we would get 
this would where this topic uh, would lead us, Jake. Well, for for those who don't know, some of us deal with hair loss. Okay, <laughs> oh. fine a, with it. It's a tragic. It's a tragic experience. Unless I'm called, you know, to be the only one here, I'll. Isaac, it, the signs, it, it, what, what am I going to say? The writing's on the wall. We're in this together, We're Jake. in this together, my man. <laughs> but no, um, and it's it's not just um, Roman Catholics. The Eastern Orthodox Church does this. Oh, I didn't know that. And in general, I mean, cutting off part or all of the hair is, uh, is uh, in a lot of cultures, symbolic of renouncing worldliness, right? So anyways, if you go to the Utah State Capitol and see the mural of Dominguez and Escalante, you'll see that they have just the, the, the tonsure haircut there. I sure hope they have some sunscreen for that little bald spot on top. I sure doubt it. But, alas. They probably had a hat. Yeah, I sure hope so. Okay. I hope. Well, as this is a Utah-based podcast, just talking about their journey, we're not really going to get too far into how they started in, in Santa Fe or what necessarily they did in Colorado, unless you guys want to touch on that. I mean, it's about the same as what they did everywhere. The exciting yeah. stuff happens in Utah. That's exactly right. So. That's exactly right. Okay, so remember, in Colorado, they leave... Um, oh, just one more thing before we get into please. the journey. I... They were young people. Um, Dominguez was in his mid-30s yep. when he began this journey, and um, Escalante, Velez de Escalante, was 25. And that's how old I am, and I put in myself in his shoes. I think that's a really incredible and brave thing to do. To oh, be, for sure. They're brave people, and I really admire their, their gumption and their willingness to serve God and... I don't know. No, just, they had they had to put a I lot of I picture Friars as old men, you know, so it yeah. was interesting to hear about energetic, young, lively men. Well, and I think we can, you know, full disclosure to those listening. So all, all three of us have served missions for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints as young people. And for sure, the conditions in which we have been serving in this modern time were so much better than anything these folks have done, right? So yeah, I can't imagine. It would be... It would be um, <laughs> the explorers. What's the word? Not blasphemous, but it certainly wouldn't be right to say that we can relate to them exactly. But we do have a sense of going to these, you know, foreign places, not necessarily knowing the language, and just trying to to set out and do what's considered a good work. At the very least, you know, if you want to contest their motives, they were still in the wild, and these are young people leading a group with, uh, you know, foreign tribes that they had to go and, and deal with and work with. And so, kudos to them, right? And I appreciate you bringing that up, Casey. Um, so we mentioned that Silvestre, one of the three um, Native Americans that they were with, uh, was in Colorado when they picked him up, but he belonged to the Timpanogos tribes here. Um, and when I say here, we're recording this in Provo. This is... We're close. We're there, man. We're close. Yeah, right on their stomping they grounds. They were the fish eaters. They ate fish from Utah Lake, and we are uh, two miles from stone's Utah throw. Lake, I would say. An aggressive stone's throw. We don't Utah eat Lake. the fish from the lake anymore, though. <laughs> no, we've got... yeah. I don't eat. If only they knew. Yeah. We love our fish to fry. Well, in Utah, they were in the Uinta National Forest, right? When Silvestre, who's pretty ready to get back home, is kind of chugging along and was like, oh, "Let's wait, go, guys." We need to talk about when they enter Utah. Oh, that's true, right? Let's, let's, it was let's start the, there. Let's starts start with there. a Y. In September 11th, they it's crossed. An interesting date. Yeah. On September 11th, they crossed into what is now Utah, um, and. They crossed the Green River, which they called La Buenaventura, mm-hmm. um, at Jensen, Utah, which is near my hometown of Vernal. What? So the crossing of Escalante and Dominguez, there's a little stone that remembers them. 
So September 11th, they crossed it. They killed a buffalo because they were running low on food. And they were coming up through the Uinta Basin. And I'll catch up to where Jake is at. But No, you're good. And I was just going to say, throw back to our other podcast. They um, they were in Mighton. They did. Point. They crossed That's the right. Mighton yeah. River. So who, maybe, maybe they cursed it. You know, <laughs> it was actually them. Shoot. It was them. No, that's that's totally true. But yeah, so you're, you're right, Casey. I'm sorry. I kind of walked over. I don't want to insult the basin, for heaven's sakes. Every, any mention the of the basin is important to me. Okay, well, they go from they go from uh, Mighton toward Duchesne, Fruitland, and then they make their way to the Uinta National Forest, a beautiful place. And uh, there's I read about this, this uh, geographical designation of, and this is where Casey needs to help, defiles. You ever heard that? Defiles. D E F I L E S. That's probably how you'd say it. Okay. I it's don't know it's that. like really narrow canyon kind of trails or mm. areas to traverse. Anyways, it was getting kind of um, not trepidatious, but hard to navigate. And this is where Silvestre knows that home is not far. So he's trucking along. And they're he's all like, riding on horses, and Silvestre keeps getting running out of eyesight. And they're like, come back, man. Yeah. And so they're, they're he's excited. He's almost home. He's almost home. And there's smoke signals going up everywhere because all the people living in the area see this new group of people and they're a little afraid. Well, and who wouldn't be right? I mean, that's just, it's tribal safety at the time. And so, um, Silvestre, um, basically assumes, okay, well, this would have been made, these smoke signs for my people would have been made from those who were hunting, right? And so the group, the party with Dominguez Escalante and Silvestre and friends replied with smoke signals. That's what I understand. Yes. Okay. And then um, when Silvestre assumed that, okay, based on how we do things, if we did the smoke signals at X hour, at Y o'clock, they're going to be pretty close by. At which point Silvestre kind of does this little speech saying, hey, if any of my people are there, it's me. And we're not here to hurt anybody. Yeah, he just we're like talks forward, into right? the he talks into the wilderness, yeah. which I think is awesome. <laughs> no, I think that's super super cool. And then so the Tipinogues people say, "Oh, we like these guys. They're they're one of us." And uh, welcome aboard to our village, really quick. I'm going to take a drink of water, Casey. If yes, you want to take a break. Yes, Silvestre. We also forgot to mention Joaquin was also with the group at this time. Uh, Joaquin apologies. was also a Tipinogue. Right. He was a young boy. He was 12 years old. About. Um, and he was just riding up with one of the other party on the same horse. But um, they were both home. And once they finally arrived in the valley, Silvestre brought Dominguez and the interpreter to the chief. And the chief was a little nervous. But when he saw Silvestre, he gave him a big hug, embraced him. Silvestre was happy to bring people that had showed him kindness back yeah. to his family to people that he knew, and he was ready to be done with his journey, I think, from the, Dude, <laughs> the was, sense I got. He, he had done. traveled quite a bit, and yeah. they, they had had some difficult things. They'd had horses die and things like that. So Well, and on top of it, too, I think the chief, and I'm going to try his name here. And oh, yeah, keep in I, mind, I'm a Spanish speaker, not, I don't, I don't know Native American tongues real well, but I've got Taruniachi. Tarun, that's probably what I would have said. Taruniachi, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's what I would say. And he also uh, kind of admired the chutzpah of the Dominguez Escalante party because they had essentially made it through Comanche territory alive. Yes, that was. They were, um, the party had been asked to turn back when they were in Colorado, actually, because the group that they were with, it wasn't a Ute group, but they were a different group. And they said, hey, the Comanches, which were kind of more of a dangerous tribe to other tribes and other people living in the area, they wanted them to watch out for the Comanches. But... 
fortuitously, the Comanche group that they had maybe heard about was off hunting buffalo. Boom. And so they were really, they were saved. And, they were um, fortunate. They felt really lucky. And as you said, the tribe was amazed. The Timpanoke, Tim, oh my gosh. The Timp tribe. The Timp tribe, sorry. Our forgiveness to anybody. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Our apologies, I should say. <laughs> the Fish Eater tribe, which yeah. was also what they were called, um, were really excited and amazed that they'd made it through. That's right, that's right. So um, Joaquin, right, says, okay, well, we'll all continue on the journey. We know that you guys need to keep moving along here. Wait, oh, wait, sorry. I want to mention, sorry, I keep interrupting. No, I'm, I'm down. Um, there was also part of the reason that they came on this trip was also to see if there were willing Christian converts among the native peoples. This is true. And so they often preach to them, and this is just a, a, a good excerpt I kind of want to read. This is from the journal. This is from this. the journal. So let's see. So they've been talking with Silvestre and the interpreter, and they start preaching to them, and then they started talking about how they wanted to baptize this group, but they would have to do it on their next trip because they were a little busy, and they didn't... Press for time. They didn't want to rush them into a decision, which I Again, thought was admirable. respectful. Oh, that's hardcore. <laughs> Fair enough. We know those tactics, too. We... we Indeed. <laughs> we do know that method, don't we? Okay. But anyways, so Silvestre leaves them. Yeah, he says, I'm done. But Joaquin wants to stay, but they also want one other guide to help them in their continued quest to Monterrey. Young man, Jose Maria, and um, named after the father and, well, you know, earthly father, mother of Christ, Joseph and Mary. Naturally. Spanish, right? And just as we've mentioned, um, the fathers gave gifts to the tribe, and the tribe said, have some fish. They're fish eaters. That's what they did. Okay. Get back to my notes here. Sorry. Um, oh, and just the whole Utah Lake area. Escalani said, "This ain't bad land. We could live here. People could yeah, live here." Throughout the tr- the journey, they commented on, "Ah, this is where we could have another town. Ah, That's we right. could create another pueblo." That's right. They were colonizers as well. Yeah. So they go from the Utah Lake area to what is now the Payson area, right? That's, yes. That's they what start going south because they're too far north. They yeah. Think. And um, they're in what is now kind of the Springville, Payson um, area. I thought this was cool. I read something interesting about how they found other native tribes who were, you know, nice to them. But a lot of the guys in these tribes had thick beards. Yes, I didn't yeah. know that. That was a cool fact. Well, and some historians say that maybe they were Spaniards who somehow had made it there earlier, right? Because the capacity to grow these thick beards wasn't really common among Native Americans in that area at that time. Um, so I don't know if that means anything necessarily but it was just kind of an interesting little mystery yeah. I, think it's, I think it's a fair assumption i mean like we mentioned earlier these guys were the first ones to take good record of what they did so sure man. it it's there's a good chance that there were people here before them yeah we don't know europeans before we them. don't know but this much we do know that um they little, didn't speak spanish <laughs> or at least they faked it really well <laughs> and then uh little jose maria who had just joined them not that long before yes witnessed some ill treatment in the party from the leaders to one of the servants and he said i'm not all about that and so he left the party but he did say let me see this is what um escalante and dominguez wrote on october 5th we felt very bad about this incident because we had wanted to hasten his salvation which now he will not be able to attain that soon so once jose maria left 
couldn't be saved. And they also mm. missed out on a guide. They only had Joaquin left, who was this little boy. Yeah. Who probably was very capable, but... Regardless, there's power in, like, the enforcing, you know, thought of, oh, is this the right way? Yeah, this is the right way. Okay, yeah, we're going there. They were also pretty respectful about him leaving. We saw him leave the king's camp, but didn't want... They called their camps the king's camp because they felt that they were um, emissaries of the king of Spain. Of the crown, yeah. Yes. Um, We saw him leave the king's camp, but did not want to say anything to him, nor to have him followed and brought back, so as to allow him complete liberty. So, again, they were pretty respectful and they really wanted to treat people nicely, yeah. which was really admirable as far as colonizers go. Right, true. So I'm assuming this, this journal is all translated from Spanish. Yes. But what I'm loving is the just like the humanity and the casualness and how they talk. Yeah, I this love, is a great translation. I just love yeah. how we can read about these guys who were here, you know, hundreds of years ago, but they they talk the same way we do. Yeah. You're like, oh man, it, it sucks that we got into this argument, but he left in good peace. What can we Can't do? be saved yet, but that's fine. We'll see <laughs> yeah. him later. So, sometime soon. Yeah. 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 So that was that, was that for um, Jose Maria. And then from that area, the what is now the Payson-Springville area, they head to the Beaver River Valley. Um, I don't think we've mentioned like dates. Um, well, man. they entered Utah in September... 11th and this is they year met seven, is 76 1776 so it's kind of cool to see the converging timelines how things yeah, were happening there's some stuff going on in the east coast right now <laughs> like ah, i don't care about that where's monterey where's sorry <laughs> i, I should yes i it's so interesting that they're just so not connected to the rest of the world it seems yeah. like okay anyways yeah but Beaver, they, they came to they this, were in utah county in about in mid, mid to late September 1776. And so I've got them moving to the county and to the valley in early October. Yes. Yeah. They're leaving They're leaving Utah County early October. Which for Utah standards is starting to get pretty cold. It's pretty nasty. At night, yeah. at least. And it started to snow. Yeah. And this is that determining hour where they have to decide what they want to do. And so they, they deliberated, right? And obviously the conditions were subpar, to say the least. They had this whole party. It's freezing cold. Um, there this were some areas. October 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th is when they're having these discussions. Right. They were in even some areas barren enough where there was really no wood, right? Nothing to make a fire, nothing to... There's not a lot in that area of Utah. Yeah. That southwest area is pretty barren. And then they also had to consider the fact, other than just the conditions, that Joaquin, who's still hanging out with them, like, it's hard to convince someone to stay on when, I don't know, family's not that far, conditions are rough. And, you know, what, what would you do, right? And so they said, okay, Joaquin might leave us. And then finally they said, you know what? Our missionary, you know, our mission, right? The, the religious uh, mission they had set out to complete, to convert, to share the, you know, gospel or whatever. Um, they're like, I think we've done that. I feel pretty good about that. And there so, were some in the party that were angry, um, especially um, the cartographer. He wanted to continue yeah. on to Monterey because he thought well, for that good they reason were close. that's his job right like <laughs> they were close and they wanted the glory like that was a pretty enticing thing to think oh we were the first ones to make an overland route we're close he thought they were close they were not close well and can you imagine he's like my one job here <laughs> is to get this trail on a map and we're going halfway and you know we're all of a sudden we want to turn back but outvoted 
Sorry, Mr. Cartographer. This and he was, came uh, along with it, which yeah. I thought was, at least he did it. At least Classy. he followed them. Yeah, yeah. So this is where the trip to Monterey ultimately becomes, uh, a, a, not a failure, that's not the right word, but it just doesn't, it doesn't happen. They don't make it to the West Coast. Um, and this is kind of where the Utah portion of the trail comes to an end, right? Because mm-hmm. shortly after this is when they make their way south to Arizona. So mm-hmm. this is when they were in near Milford, Utah, which is down south southwestern Utah. Yeah. And Not far from Canaraville either or Tokerville. Yes. That's what I've got. On the way to Cedar City, St. George area, I-15. And if you've ever been in the snow here in Utah County, you head that way too. That's not right. That, not that hard of a <laughs> the decision. Snowbirds all, all the snowbirds head down south. They got their St. George summer homes. That's right, man. Okay, well, uh, Casey, unless you want to add more to their journey, I'd just like to talk about the legacy of everything here. Oh, they made it back. Luckily, they made it back to Santa Fe in January of 1777. That's right. It was a long and hard journey. There's not a lot written about the... Return. Arizona, New Mexico yeah. trip, because they were just trying to survive. But they did make it all. Um, Joaquin left them in Cedar City area today, and they made it safe, and they had careers after this journey. Yeah, I, it's, well, let's talk just a little bit about what happens to both um, Fry Dominguez and Escalante. So once uh, Dominguez got back um, to Santa Fe, he went ahead and gave a report to his Franciscan superiors, it said New Mexico is not being run very well, um, yes, church-wise. I have a quote that's Do it. really good. This is great. Let's see. He had since he had grown up in the beautiful, beautiful, developed Mexico City. Yeah. He had a really hard time with just the cowboyness of New Mex of New Mexico, and he said, at Santa Fe with its three churches, he fondly recalled the Tlateloco a suburb of his beloved Mexico City with its streets, well-planned houses, shops, fountains, something to lift the spirits by appealing to the senses. This via, talking about Santa Fe, concluded the Urbane Friar is the exact opposite, for in the final analysis, it lacks everything. <laughs> so, he yeah, was well, not a fan yeah, of Santa Fe and like the New that. Mexican missions. It's so funny, too, because I've talked to people, and like I said, I lived in New Mexico, and I talked to people who haven't lived there, and they visited, and they're like, it's barren, nothing. And I mean, we're talking about today, so obviously they're just mm. kind of whining. No offense, people. Land of but, enchantment. Yeah, yeah, they just think the enchantment's all that dust. <laughs> and whatever, you know, Francisco Dominguez comes, he, would, he worked in Veracruz for a long time, which is this lush southern part as well. Beautiful, yeah. And so when you come from all of that life in green and then you're just kind of in the desert, I, I can't, oh, I guess what I'm trying to say is I can't necessarily blame the guy for not liking it. Um, that being said, his Franciscan superiors did not like his report. <laughs> they did not appreciate his candor. Yeah, and so for lack of a better word, they banished him um, to a mission in the Sonoran Desert, right, which is northwest Mexico, uh, western Mexico. And um, let's say he, I'm trying to get my last bit here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, he was there. Sonora, I think he Mexico. moved back, to, New, go back um, to Mexico City. Mexico City at some point. Hopefully. And I think he died in Mexico City. Well, at least he died in a place that he liked. <laughs> Um, Escalante, his life did not extend very much beyond the journey. No. Yeah, he died at 30 in Parral, Mexico. Oh, wow. And he, what makes it even a harder kick in the pants is that was his return journey to Mexico City for treatment for an illness. So he didn't even make it to Yeah, to I'm curious healed. what illness it was, but we don't know. We don't know the symptoms. Death. <laughs> Death. Dying. <laughs> but 
he his <laughs> legacy is cemented a lot more than Dominguez's just because he was the one who wrote the journal. Yeah. But Dominguez was the leader. So it's a little unfair. We have lots of lots of landmarks named for Escalante. We have I've like, got at least four here. Yes, there's many. Yeah, I've got so the Escalante Desert, Escalante River, the town of Escalante, mm-hmm. and then the Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument. But most really people beautiful. just call Very it Escalante. Pretty. Escalante. So yeah. Escalante, yeah, Escalante. That's always fun. But Jake, this proper pronunciation is yeah, Escalante. Escalante. Right. Uh, music to my ears. It's good stuff. And so another few things legacy-wise that I just wanted to bring up. We mentioned that this journey was the um, groundwork for the old Spanish trail, which ultimately did make it to the West Coast, right? They were able to figure that out in the end. Um, and let's see here. Oh, this is, this is pretty interesting. So a couple cities south of here, we have Spanish Fork, named after this journey. See, I always wondered that. Yeah. That's awesome. Really? You did always wonder? I actually never knew that until five seconds ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> Today right now. I so my, my dad is from Spanish Fork. Okay. And I always wondered, like, Spanish Fork, huh? I mean, we've, we've got American Fork a couple of miles north of here. Yeah. Spanish Fork a couple of miles south. You're like, what's that all like, about? Like, what's... All right, it makes sense. I'll well, like and I don't... I can't blame you for not knowing much more because beyond being named Spanish Fork... That's that's the only Spanish thing about it. <laughs> well, they probably they probably stuck a fork in the ground somewhere. And they did. There's there's left two things. There. There's a there's the Escalante Cross at the mouth of Spanish Fork Canyon. You can go and see that. And then at the city limits, there's also a small monument that shows um, Dominguez and Escalante, obviously as these buff young friars. Um, and then there's one native with them. I couldn't see who it was if it was Joaquin, Jose Maria, or Silvestre. But there's one Native American. It's a bronze statue. Um, that you can go see. It's got a little engraving, uh, a cool little day trip if you want to do something with your kids. But that's it. That is the Dominguez Escalante expedition. Yeah, one more, one more landmark Please. that has come out of them. In, in they also crossed when they were going back to Santa Fe after failing and seeing the snow everywhere. They um, crossed at modern day Lake Powell, which was then the Colorado River, and there is. A bay in Lake Powell called Padre Bay, which is where oh, they crossed, the crossing Love of the it. fathers. So they have made a mark on the landscape in Utah in a few ways. And, few ways. and culturally in a lot of ways, you for know, sure. for sure. Yeah. Um, well, and even if not, I mean, even if it's just paintings and monuments and the name of a town, it really is an important point in Utah's Hispanic heritage, right? It's and the beginning of Utah's beginning. Hispanic heritage. Yeah, I mean, Juan Rivera, again, he was there. He kind of had his own memo. He didn't decide to keep a journal, but that's what we got. And um, Spanish for us, that's your dad's. That's where he's from, right, Isaac? That's right. Okay, so it was the, it was an Icelandic, basically, group, right? Not colony, but that's where they all came and hung out. So. Yeah, true. You got the name, and then the rest of it is an Icelandic town. They didn't call it Icelandic Fork. They didn't. <laughs> they did not. Well, I'm, I'm glad that these guys are getting the credit that they deserve. Um, yeah. They did a lot for the. They did a lot in this state, and um, I'm glad we're paying respect to them as we are. And shout out to Silvestre, Joaquin, and Jose Maria, who could, who were the ones that really made the trip happen. They didn't have to do it. They but didn't. They did it. And so they helped that Hispanic heritage be born. Pretty cool. Let's never forget them. Well, that's all I got, folks. I don't yeah. know if you got anything else. I think I think we're good. This has been great. I'm glad you guys have you guys have all the expertise on this. Um, well, your time's coming, big guy. I, I sure hope so. Okay. But um, yeah, we're we're planning on doing um, several more episodes on Spanish heritage in Utah. An indefinite suite. Yep. 
Okay, awesome. Well, we love you guys. We'll see you on the next podcast. Gracias. Bye.